The 1v1 interview series is a production of the Boss Rush Network of Podcasts. Visit bossrush.net to listen to our podcast and read our articles, game reviews, and more. You can also follow us on Twitter at Boss Rush Network to stay up to date with our content. Thank you for listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome to 1v1 with Boss Rush Network. I'm your host, Celeste Roberts. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing the folks from Nostalgia, a podcast slash chronological exploration of every North American release for the NES, or Nintendo Entertainment System. With me today are Mike, Sean, and Joe. Hey, Hello. guys. Thank How's you it going? so much. Hello, Celeste. Thank you so much for making time. Um, I know it seems like not a big deal, but I know what it's like trying to squeeze in your own projects plus life. So, <laughs> Absolutely. I, so thank you all so much for being here. And I love that we could all meet at the same time because um, when I reached out to Mike, actually, I filled out the form on the Nostalgia website. I was asking, he asked me, do you want it just to be me? Do you want it to, me to be uh, with Sean and Joe? And I said, if everybody can join, that would be fantastic. He just wanted it all for himself. I don't know if you that. <laughs> right. Yeah, we right. know you fought for I, it. I, just want, I was like, you know, I have to contact my agent then at that point. We'll have to negotiate a rate. But if you get Sean and Joe, they're cheap. So maybe we could do the three of us together. Um, you know, it's funny because I don't think that the show would work if it was just me. So I didn't think this interview would work if it was just me. You know, you kind of need all three of us when you're talking about nostalgia. Well, why don't you tell everybody what what is nostalgia? So I gave a little summary of it. But since you're the experts, I'd love to hear from you. Sure. I'll, I'll kick it off uh, just because I kind of came up with the idea for Nostalgia. It was really me, Sean and Joe have known each other for so long that I just wanted to like make sure that no matter what, we still like kept in contact. And even if we like separated, we'd always have like something we could do on a routinely basis. And for a while that was playing board games. We were just playing board games every like Wednesday or whatever. And then I started being like, well, maybe we could do like something about video games. Cause that's what we're all really into. And we've always connected over that. So I, I'm a huge Nintendo fan. I've always tried like playing all the Nintendo games. And I said, well, that's the idea for the podcast, right? Just every Nintendo game starting from the very beginning. It's not just Nintendo though. It's like everybody who's ever made games for Nintendo too. So the ideas are basically endless. We can't run out of episodes in that regard. <laughs> but nostalgia is just focusing on the NES. And that's just starting with 10 yard fight, uh, which I think like, a lot of people will be interested to find out that's the very first Nintendo game, it's not true. They released 17 all at once. And then uh, we had to wait like another year for the rest of the games. But uh, when we started the the show, we didn't really know like if anybody was ever gonna listen or what we were doing it for. We were just doing it for ourselves. So I think that's like the best way to start anything is just do it for yourself. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. and I think that also um, the, the fact that none of us were, I mean, maybe Mike, My, Mike has, a lot of intimate knowledge with uh, the older systems. Like we are more so just uh, jacks of all trades when it comes to video games. And I, I barely played any NES games prior to the podcast. And I, Super NES was what I grew up with. And um, 8-Bit just felt like, why would I want to play something that decrepit? <laughs> but then the uh, podcast happened and uh, I learned that that wasn't the right way to look at stuff, you know? Yeah, I feel like that was kind of like the the idea, too, is like that we're not 
we didn't grow up with this. Like that's the that's like the namesake sort of. We didn't grow up this. We don't have the nostalgia for these games. So we try and decide like you know what's the how do they hold up to us who didn't play most of these games? Although we've all played some of them, but not all. Oh, okay. Because that was my question. One of I have one of my many questions for you. So I'm I'm in my early 30s and I grew up with a Nintendo Entertainment System. My dad is a gamer, and that's the first system we had. It really helps if your parent is a gamer. <laughs> we'll say. <laughs> I, I, I think so. Yeah. Um, so what did you all grow up with? The same systems or? Well, I, so my parents bought me a Super NES and while I wouldn't say that they're gamers at all, they played it more than me when it came out. I think I was like four years old. I don't, I don't quite remember, but, um, so I grew up with Super Mario Brothers, uh, Super Mario World, sorry. We have a train, a runaway train. That's oh, one of the God. features of the podcast is that we can always count on Sean to like tell us what traffic is like yeah. in New York City. Yeah, it's it's perfect for a podcast. Anyway, uh, so Super Mario World, uh, some uh, like Super Mario All-Stars, which when I was a kid, I didn't know that those were NES games. Um, but you know, I sort of came into my own on the PlayStation. I didn't have an N64, so... I didn't actually have that connection to Nintendo that a lot of people our age have, um, but I don't. You guys go. Well, well, I started actually. I did my first system was an NES, uh, like a hand me down from my cousins. But uh, but I was a little kid. I mean, I played like the I played like three games. You know, I played like Super Mario Brothers three, 1942, and like Blades of Steel because my brother was in hockey. But like. I, so I just played those games and like some other random ones. I thought that's what video games were, were just like things that you buy at a garage sale for 50 cents because I didn't realize I was playing a game that was, you know, already old and outdated. And then I went straight from there to the PlayStation 1 and my brain exploded from like the difference in in uh, in quality. And then, yeah, same thing. I mean, I had been around the Super Nintendo and N64, but like, yeah, I did not have the same connection to Nintendo as I think uh, you'll find that Mike might have from uh, from his... <laughs> uh console experience this is yeah this is what we're so good at we tee each other up on the show and we're teeing each other up here without even preparing nobody wrote the scripts today uh we're not reading off of anything uh so yeah i uh let's see three years old and my mom was at like i feel like circuit city was the name of the store or whatever and they had a demo for super mario 64 and she just couldn't believe that like technology had come that far, like a 3D video game. She was like, we have to get this. So she actually got the N64 for Christmas. We were too young to ask for video games or really even play video games, but she was a gamer in that respect and really liked Mario. And basically like that was just it for me. Like watching my mom be thrilled by video games got me into video games. And then like, I remember playing them really early too and not even understanding like what I was actually doing. Like you would just, talk to the toads in the castle and not realize that they were just saying the same thing over and over again. You'd be, you'd expect them to do different things. Like it's another world in there. And that really just like intrigued me with video games. And obviously like I just stayed with Nintendo from there. I didn't really play much uh, PlayStation or Xbox, but then when I started to like get a job and get some money, I, I did the garage sale route that Joe was going through. And I started collecting video games, like really seriously, like just, Anything I could get my hands on that was Nintendo related, I, I just started buying them up. And then I realized that, well, I don't have a Super Nintendo. I don't have an NES. And I remember looking at like, I think it was Funko Land at the time had um, like Super Nintendo games still for sale. And just seeing the box arts, I was like so intrigued by 
this idea that there were games before Super Mario 64. Like, wow, like, the, I, I, I wonder what Mario's adventure was like in Super Mario World, you know? And, like, what was his adventure like in Super Mario Brothers and stuff like that? And uh, I got those systems. And I still collect video games to this day, but, like, yeah, the N64 and Super Mario 64 specifically hold, like, a special place just in my life as uh, my introduction to video games. I love that it's a reverse experience for you. Like, oh, here's Mario 64. What were the predecessors like? Because I, I was in second grade when Mario, uh, Super Mario 64 came out, and it was mind-blowing. I mean, just imagine you're going from, what is it, 8-bit, um, then 16-bit, or 32-bit? Well, oh, it's yeah. <laughs> something, I don't know. But then you jump to the ability to have Mario fly with a winged cap in 3D, it's, it, it was mind blowing. Yeah, Just, I remember yes. going over to a friend's place because I, again, I didn't have the N64. I think I still had only the Super NES at this point. Um, and just learning that you could climb up the trees and there was no reason to climb up the trees in the, uh, in the castle courtyard, but I just like to do it because you could. So uh, that was mind blowing to me too back then. Yeah. So how did you all meet as well? Was it all about video games that connected you? Did you all grow up in the same area? Because I'm, I'm always fascinated how podcasters enter one another's lives. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a funny story too, because like we all went to college together, but we didn't know Joe really until we left college. Like somehow <laughs> we met him after the fact, never while we were at college. Yeah, well, you know, yeah, me and Sean had had yeah. known each other like a yeah. very little so bit, and then all... after after Sean and I kind of like lost touch after like one class we had together, there was actually a period of time where I swear I didn't realize that Mike and Sean were two different people. I was always like, oh, there's that guy, and every time I saw either of them, I thought it was the same guy. I don't know, they kind of looked alike. They were always hanging out, so like I always could confuse them. But just seeing double, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah so and we all went to people class. who make me and Joe sound the same too. That's true. That, that I don't understand. But, um, yeah, we all went to school for film um, at Buffalo State College uh, up in Buffalo, New York, um, where I'm from. Uh, Joe is from Niagara Falls, and Mike is from uh, Massapequa Park, New York, in Long Island. Huh. So uh, we all met there, and uh, while, yeah, we made, we made some interesting movies together. Uh, <laughs> don't look them up. Yeah, don't look them on. Don't look them up anywhere. Uh, but yeah, Mike, do you want to continue? <laughs> yeah, no, I think it was like, it, you know, that was the genesis of the friendship and everything. But then I kind of told Sean as I was going back to uh, New York City to be like, hey, you got to, you know, you got to come here. You got to at least try and make it, it, you know, down here in New York City. You can't just stay up in Buffalo forever. And him and another friend came down and stayed at my um, parents' house for like a week as they looked for basically jobs and apartments all over New York City. And, uh, you know, this this is more Sean's story to tell than mine, but basically he crushed it from there. He got a job, got a got a place way out in Bath, Bath Beach, you were? Or oh, where were you? Bensonhurst. Bensonhurst. Bensonhurst, okay, yeah. You're way out in Brooklyn. Basically had like a one-hour-plus commute every day on the subways <laughs> to get around. And then I started looking for a place, and uh, that's how one of my coworkers at Nickelodeon, Joe and I both work at Nickelodeon, uh, they said, hey, uh, my coworker's looking for a place to stay. And Joe was like, oh, you, I have a place to stay. You should come live with me. <laughs> and then I found out that he like 
also went to Buff State and all these other things. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. Like, and we just, we hit it off right away after that. We just became really close friends. Isn't it crazy how you sometimes connect with people who are right in front of your face the whole time? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I, I was just thinking, I never really thought about how like separate, but like our, each of our stories are that kind of like we came together in this perfect way. So it worked out. I, I love Hard the one. idea of, were these home movies <laughs> or were these like class project movies? Oh, they were student films. Uh, they have all of the trappings of student films. <laughs> um, <laughs> they're, they're fun. They were fun. They, they were a great you know, way to meet people and work with work with cameras and equipment and all that stuff. And, and I was just going to say, working it back into video games a little bit, like my whole interest in film actually came from the Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, where in the intro of that game, they took the perspective of Navi as the camera and had her like fly through uh, the Kokiri village and everything. And like, I just thought that was such an interesting thing and I wanted to kind of recreate that. So I asked my parents for a camera and I just kind of went around our house, like running around with the camera, pretending as if that's like the, you know, the focal point. And this is, I mean, this is a really young age and everything, but I always, from there, I just kept tying it back into video games. After that, I would do, uh, stop motion animation with my Mario figures and like just simulate like the Mario versus Bowser battle in Super Mario 64 again using stop motion animation. So even even my film career and my career at Nickelodeon and everything, I feel like I still owe to video games in some respect. I, I love how far video games have come. I mean, we I definitely appreciate older video games because they, they walk so we could run today, right? Yeah, right. But... I, I call video games virtual storybooks in a way because um, when I was growing up, uh, you're going to think I'm insane. I used to narrate my own stories out loud while playing video games. Doesn't I don't sound think that crazy. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my mom probably thought I was crazy because she'd walk in and say, Who are you talking to? <laughs> I'm just telling Dixie what I want her to be doing this, this ship, but, you know, she can't actually do it, so I have to make it up. But. Oh, I, I love hearing how video games are tied back to your, your careers now. Now, do any of you think that you'd like to work in, with a video game studio one day or make your own video game? I, I think that I could find it interesting, like, based on kind of going off of what you were just saying, like, the storytelling of video games is so fascinating to me. And it's so, like, whenever I talk to someone who doesn't play video games, I try to explain to them that it's, like, a totally unique way like medium to tell a story that's different than a book different than a movie different than a tv show you can do things with video games so like you can do things with video games that you can't do in other mediums so i think that if i were to like try and work in the video game industry it would, it would have to be something in like a writing or some way of like in the storytelling aspects of it yeah uh, i i think more so my interests lie in sort of like i can see myself in my spare time putting something together um, not so much working in the industry, which, I mean, the film industry and in the video game industry have their differences, but I think that the same thing goes for uh, just the, the stress and the um, just how hacked together the whole thing seems. So I think at, taking it at my own pace, writing my own story, not having crunch time and all that, uh, maybe I could do something along those lines. Like, I, I make my own music once in a while, and I, I still write here and there, but, um, yeah, definitely not a career. <laughs> and, and as uh, I think Joe was saying at the beginning about talking about nostalgia, 
we've heard from a lot of uh, listeners of the show that part of the appeal is that we're not we're not like real gamers like in the industry or know any of the technology or anything like that. We don't the show isn't a uh, a formal review. It's not like we're looking at the memory mappers and understanding like what is what is possible with this game given the limitations of the time. We're reviewing these games in 2022 knowing full well that you could play Red Dead Redemption 2 instead of the you know whatever the game of the week is on nostalgia. So we're really critical of these games, but we also don't um uh, you know, we don't pretend to be experts and we don't pretend to like uh, we, we let our imaginations run wild and we don't have any nostalgia for these games. So that's like half the fun, right? That's also one of my favorite things about the podcast and, and learning that there was an audience for this is like that there are people that just want to hear layman's talk about games that they love. And I, I didn't know that that existed. And I'm very thankful for them because I don't know what I'm talking about at the time. <laughs> <laughs> and how how long have you been doing the nostalgia podcast yeah it's we started february of 2018 and i think we won't finish the nes until like 2034 so we have a really long time to go there are that many games uh covered on the show it's just like i i think the final number of because keep in mind we're only doing the north american games and they have to be officially released so like licensed game, uh, only licensed games count. None of that like Tengen stuff or Bible adventures. Uh, so I think the final count comes to 673 games if we do it right, which is 673 episodes. Which is 673 weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so you record once a week, right? An episode a week. Yep, an episode a week. So I think like a lot of podcasts that we've seen try to do this thing, uh, they'll either do a lot less or they'll kind of start out heavy and then just die off. And we've heard from a lot of people like, hey, don't you guys can't stop doing this. Like so you've committed to it. And honestly, like, I don't think we're going to stop because if you can do this for now, we're up to like 250 plus episodes. We've been doing it for that many weeks, nonstop, not missing a week. Uh, it's, it's pretty impressive that uh, the three of us have been able to keep our schedules aligned like that. And Mike, I remember... Sorry, I remember early on you saying something like, you know, hey, we'll just keep, you know, we'll just release one every week. And like, you know, law of averages, like eventually people are going to find us, you know, <laughs> and you're right. Like, you know, it's, it's it's built up just because it's like, well, we don't stop. So like, yeah, it, I, I it, think it yeah, going back to the like the scheduling, like I just I don't know when it became second nature, but it just became part of my psyche that Wednesdays are just blocked off. Like, I don't plan on doing anything on Wednesdays. <laughs> <laughs> like this is actually our our standard recording time right now. <gasps> I'm so honored. Yeah. We had to do it for you, Celeste. We, when, oh. when you came to us with this offer, we were like, oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to say I'm Oprah or anything, but. <laughs> <laughs> and I found out about you guys because of my friend late to gaming. Mm -hmm. Which is great. Um, you know, he, he's been uh, one of our like early followers, I would say, like uh, relatively early into the show. We started hearing from from listeners and stuff like that. And that was great because first we weren't sure anybody was listening. You get some stats on like Anchor or Spotify mm -hmm. or wherever saying like, you know, this many people downloaded your show. And I swear it was like less than 20 when we started, you know, it was just like, oh, OK, we're, we're doing it. And and now we're pulling in, you know, sometimes like as many as 4,000. And it's like, whoa, like, what do you mean? Like that many people are listening to the show? Like, that's crazy. 
we don't know how exactly we've gotten the the word of mouth around and stuff like that. But it's always nice when you mention uh, your friend late to gaming or we've had some other people. Uh, one of our favorites is a guy named John B., who like very early on was just like, you guys need beer money. Like here, here's some beer oh. money. You know, like and it was like, oh, that's so nice. Like we're just <laughs> yeah, doing before this we for even us. had a Patreon or anything, right? Right. We never we didn't out. have anything. Yeah. And now all like, these guys, you guys money. Yeah, and all these guys are active in our our Discord community, and uh, it, it's really great to see there. Everyone that uh, has joined is uh, they're all very chill. They're all uh, a lot of fun to talk about. Pretty much anything with that it's a it's a great community that we sort of cobbled together there it and it's all because of video games isn't that astounding when you think it about is. it absolutely like i i became friends with late to gaming because i listened to a podcast called retrovaniacs and they cover all kinds of retro games that are at least 15 years old and i found them because i was curious if there were any podcasts out there that covered earthbound and then I met Late to Gaming in the RV Discord, and he recommended you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Just life is crazy like that. Yeah, it's interesting. There's like this like extended universe of uh, how how we're all kind of yeah. The expanded six degrees of, of life, um, yeah. separation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it it's also a very like positive space too, though. You know, um, not just our Discord or anything. I, I think just. What you see on video games sometimes isn't the most positive uh, stuff in the way that it's covered. But everybody that like is listening to our show or writes in, you know, we don't maybe in the review section on on uh, Apple Podcasts we get like a negative review, but we never get like bad uh, emails from people directly. Like nobody says like, "Hey, this show sucks. You guys suck. Never talk about video games ever again." And it's like. You could expect somebody on the internet to troll you and, and say something like that. And I don't think we're doing like the most perfect job ever. Like, I think there is room for criticism. It's just nice to know that like, for the most part, everybody who listens to the show kind of like either has your back or wants you to know like information because they think it's important for the show. It's a very positive space. Yeah, I feel that way, especially because since we've had the Discord up and running, I do look at it once in a while, and I'm like, man, these guys, like, know video games. I don't know what I'm talking about compared to these guys at all. <laughs> but, yeah, like, it's just, like, a very, you know, like, everyone's aware of that. <laughs> you know, we, we get in conversations, and everyone's opinion matters, and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a nice it's a nice space. I'm so happy to hear that, because I, I think about this often, especially as I get older. Life is so short. And we spend so much of life, I mean, yes, there are a lot of positives, but we spend so much doing things we have to do, like obligations, jobs, responsibilities, whatever. And we're thankful for those. So something like this that is a passion project, you want it to be fun, right? You don't want to dread it. You never want a passion um, to become something that you resent. Yeah, that, that only happens when I have to play something like uh, like a power pad game for the show. <laughs> but, um, and, but recording the show is always fun. Uh, and most of the games that we play are fun to do as the homework. So uh, it's only once in a while that it starts to feel like work. <laughs> I think that sometimes those really chore games, those really bad games, end up being like some of the most fun episodes. Of them. Just oh, yeah. Them. We just gotta dunk on the game for like for 45 minutes and then you know it's a blast. Yeah, when you're recording that many episodes, you can't just like we don't have a formula, right? We don't have like a all right, first we're gonna talk about this, and then we're gonna talk about this, and then we're gonna talk about that. It's like 
we did something at the start and we tried to follow that for a while. And then we felt like, nah, that's getting stale. Let's do it this way. And then we did that for a while. And so the show just kind of keeps evolving. And I like that because it, it switches it up a little bit. But then we also have like episodes that maybe inform what the uh, podcast is going to look like. So we had uh, our first game that comes to mind is Jeopardy. We had that on NES and it was like, oh, this is weird. A Jeopardy game on NES when now you can just basically play Jeopardy by watching it on TV, right? Why do you need a video game? So how are we going to do that episode? And we wound up just recreating a game of Jeopardy inside the episode. Joe and Sean both played the contestants. I played Alex Trebek and we uh, answered questions about both the video game, the podcast and video games in general. And that just became the way that that episode flowed. And it, sometimes we get really off the rails. We did for uh, Donkey Kong Classics. It was a game that covered both Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Jr., but we already recorded those episodes. So it's like, well, what do you talk about there? We, we already did the reviews. So instead, we just talked about the one thing that was different in Donkey Kong Classics, and that was the menu. So we dissected the menu for 30 for like minutes. like a half just, hour. Yeah. And it, I mean, yeah. it was a joke. I, I'm not sure that it necessarily landed as a joke with all of our listeners, but it was totally <laughs> a joke. It's so, outsider art. So how would, what, would, what is the flow of your podcast? Because there are different video game podcasts, and you know, you, you've explained what your topic is. But do you have, okay, for this long, we're going to talk about this. For this long, we're going to talk about that. It's really however long the, the games like warrant it. Like we've tried to at least keep every episode over 30 minutes, but we don't try to like cap an episode. So when we were talking about, I think it was Ultima 3, which uh, is a huge computer game that wound up coming over to the NES. It's really hard to talk about that game. Like how do you even explain, you have to think about, some of the listeners might've never played the game, right? So you kind of have to explain it first and when they get really complex like that, how do you even talk about it? That episode wound up running like two hours and 40 minutes. It was it was just a crazy <laughs> amount of time. And, you know, it's a judgment call. You say, well, you know, people are going to listen until they don't want to. And that's fine. <laughs> we give we give chapters so that if people want to skip around and they just want to hear like, oh, I wonder what they said about the combat. Right. Then you go to the combat section and the chapter markers and you just listen to that. But no matter what, there's one thing that every single episode does. And that is a little thing we call the essential games list. And there's a little <laughs> there's a little song that happens, and then we go into the essential games list, which is a vote uh, on the game based on whether it's still playable today by like you would play this game over modern games. Not just is this a good game, is this a playable game? Would you pick this over you know the newest game on the PS5, and that's it is really so hard. not an exact science at all. Right, and we we complain not complain, but we we we'll do like a soft argument about what it actually means almost every episode <laughs> if there are any votes for it. Uh, and I think it's really funny that we we don't really know what it means, but um, it it's it's the linchpin of I think the podcast where all of the the actual structure comes from otherwise mm -hmm. just people talking about it yeah i was gonna say i think it's almost like an unwritten rule that definitely exists but we don't always stick to it that you should not consider when this was released when you know normally when you think well you got to consider the time period it was released to you know but this is like no we're considering it now and I think sometimes maybe we break that and be like, well, you know, it's on the NES. I understand that, like, you know, these, li but like for the most part, we try to say, like, I think there was one episode, I think it was all the way back in Duck Hunt when everyone was playing, um, everyone was playing, uh, 
the most popular game in the world, uh, PUBG, like... PUBG, oh, like Fortnite. Fortnite. Everyone was playing Fortnite. <laughs> so popular, I can't even remember the name. And and, and every, all my some of my friends were playing it and everything, and I was like, I kind of just, I was like itching to get back to play more Duck Hunt, a game from, you know, 1985. I was just like, it's like that tells me, like, uh, okay, this is, this is an essential game. Yeah, um, my mom told me, I, I, I remember playing it with the zapper and everything, but I think, I don't remember if I saw this or my mom told me, but she said her grandma, my great grandma, who was in her 80s at the time, she was playing Duck Hunt. She was that uh, interested and moved and impressed to say, I'm going to learn how to play this game. And that's awesome. It's accessible. That's what it I, is. It's, it's like, just funny that like ever since ever since Duck Hunt and then going through like the Wii and the Switch, like that's always sort of been the way that Nintendo wants to do their thing. Like even grandma wants to join. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, Duck Hunt was really like 1974, actually, for like the Nintendo's first go at it. They actually made a not like uh, it wasn't a console. It was just Duck Hunt as a peripheral that you would have this really long gun and you would, it would project on your own wall and you'd be able to shoot uh, the ducks. That was like one of their pre-Game & Watch uh, toys. Mm -hmm. Gosh, okay. So this this sparked, um, it, I think it's a question, but I think it's also a good segue. So when you said Game & Watch, I started thinking of the Game & Watch galleries that I used to play on the Game Boy. Yes. Game Boy Advance. So do you think you'll ever go back that far with like Atari or? I mean, that's crazy, right? There, it, It's it's too, where's like the limit, right? So that's, <laughs> it's, it, there, there's like, there's got to be over 28,000 video games when you actually think about it. You know, there's so many collections of different consoles and stuff like that. We've had so many people just say, skip the NES, go right to the Super Nintendo, go right where everybody wants you to go. And I don't know, like, I think that's the illegal. Super Nintendo, You've committed. This yeah, you can't question, skip, though, right? Like, yeah, it's yeah. like if right. when we run out of NES games, are we gonna want to stop? I don't know. It's gonna be really tough, but hopefully by then we'll all have uh, you know many families and kids and things to take care of because it will be <laughs> many, many families. Years. I like that. Well, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, dang, you're. In I'll Arizona, take care of Sean's family. He takes care of mine. <laughs> Gosh, um, I'm sure that is. Like you said, if people are asking you about it, I guess by that point, gosh, was it 2000? We'll, we'll be in our 50s. <laughs> we can pressure all of our children to take over the podcast for us. You can have right, like, right. Um, you can have a knighting ceremony or <laughs> exactly, <yeah. laughs> where you, I don't know, you you tap, uh, what is it? I know there's a, it's not just tapping their shoulder. What is it just called knighting? I think that's yeah, knighting. Must, yeah, you just get, or get knighted. <laughs> to be knighted, yeah. To be okay. knighted, the, yeah. You get the sword. You, you gotta have a sword, and yeah. I think you just need to be queen or king, and that's it. Yeah, we'll have to use. Oh, some don't sort you get of something video game too, sword. though? They give you like a, they give you like a pendant or something, or a ribbon. <laughs> I'm making oh. that part Gift up. I don't know. Paul McCartney got one, and I figured if Paul McCartney got that when he was knighted, everybody gets it. You know, I think your next goal is to do something that would warrant one of you to be knighted, so that you can report back to us. A chronological yes. exploration of every king and queen in Great Britain. <laughs> okay, I would I would absolutely love to hear you cover a podcast. Well, it has to be, we still have to not do any research yeah. and just sort of like look at them and judge them by that. Essentially, we'll just do one and really long game of Crusader Kings. You know, we'll just start at the beginning of Crusader Kings and work our way through and just review those kings and queens that just naturally occur in the game. 
And we can just judge how their how their decisions hold up today too, without considering the time period they were. In. <laughs> it's only just called them on the cell phone. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's hilarious! I, yeah, do you? Sometimes I have to stop and think whenever I see a portrait. This person sat or stood there for a very, 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 very long time. I have not like sat dates. for one. Sean, would you sit for one? Do you want to sit with sit for one with me? Yeah, like you know, me, you, Joe, we all just sit for like four days, and um, you know, Shigeru Miyamoto paints us. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! And then I, if I would like that. And then if they weren't happy with it, <laughs> right? Right. Oh, yeah. I don't know. You. Some of them you can tell, right? Like when you look at those portraits, you're like, oh, they weren't happy with that. They weren't even smiling the whole time that the portrait was being done. Oh, okay. This one. This one's a little sad. But are you familiar with that uh, famous painting of Marie Antoinette and her children and the empty baby bassinet? Yes. Rings a bell. Okay. So her. They show it in the movie as well, the Marie Antoinette movie, but um. She had a baby, and I don't know if the baby was stillborn or just died prematurely, but the painting shows the baby in the bassinet, and then the final painting that the baby had to be painted out. Like, can you? God. Oh, oh wow. God. I know. <laughs> that context, and then actually seeing that one of her children is kind of pointing out the empty. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, yes. The, the little boy, I, I, I guess, one of her children is like pointing into the bassinet, like, check out this baby. <laughs> there's no baby. So, Whoops. Like, Whoops. But, <laughs> but like, imagine the amount of time to remove something from a painting. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that sounds crazy. We, we do that with, with video games, though, too. Like, we review some of these games, and we see, like, oh, the Japanese version was, like, the real version, and we got the neutered version. You oh, know, like, they, they, purposefully, <laughs> they purposefully, like, remove some features, and I, I usually reveal this to the guys during our sequels and spinoff section, and we just kind of wonder, like, you know, I, I know Nintendo of America was much more conscious of, like, the video game crash and making sure that, uh, quality assurance things, you know, like that the seal happened and the, that they were happy with it. But for the most part, removing like another difficulty mode inside a game or uh, a certain character, it's just crazy to see like the lengths that they went to sometimes to make sure that they wouldn't get into trouble in North America versus in Japan. It was like, yeah, we're not afraid to show blood or boobs or anything, you know, like we'll, <laughs> we'll give them, we'll give those people what they want. But in North America, you better you know, repixelate all that work and you better uh, make sure that context, there's no blood. Too. Like, I don't remember which game it was. It was a game that I think we were all kind of confused about, um, but it was originally based off of a manga and... My, oh, yeah, you know, Chubby Cherub. Chubby Cherub, yeah. Which had just, it just made no sense whatsoever on its own. But once you, like, actually bring it back into, like, oh, this was based on an existing IP and all these things are in the manga and... Then it, then it comes to North America, just like, oh, they'll get it. Like, it, it's, <laughs> it's very confusing sometimes. And these early uh, translations and localizations sort of uh, brought to light how kind of Wild West it was of, like, mm -hmm. is, there any, is there any method of the madness? Have you, this reminds me, it's, it's not a video game, but are you you're familiar with the show Everybody Loves Raymond? Yes. yes. <laughs> okay, um, do you know where I'm going with this? No. I, I actually don't. And that's why I'm excited to see where this goes. <laughs> so, 
so um, are you familiar with his creator, Phil Rosenthal? Yeah. Joe, only you are. I, I, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Italian family, they were all watching, everybody loves Raymond all the time when it was on. <laughs> so, like, uh, I know of the creator. So he, he tried to translate the show over to Russian audiences, and it didn't go over well. Really? What? Just like totally, tonally different in the different language? or? I think, yeah, I believe so. I need to investigate it more. My boyfriend was telling me about it because he said they, there's a documentary about it where Phil Rosenthal recounts the whole experience and how the humor just didn't translate well overseas. So that has to be so hard to be in the localization team, right? Or, or, or yeah. anything yeah. where you're trying to have one culture understand another culture just through this brief medium. Yeah. Especially when, it's, when you have so little like space to to work with as like a two lines of of dialogue on a screen like you have to have a very good understanding of both languages for that to make sense otherwise you get castlevania 2 or something along those lines yeah nothing really makes sense gonna, at all i was gonna say it's like that's the low-hanging fruit for the nes you know is the bad translations and the conglaturation and all that stuff like it's Angry Video Game Nerd really, like, brought that out. And I think, like, he appropriately called it out, like, the first time, you know, on, on his YouTube videos and everything. And now it's kind of become a, a meme or a talking point. We we don't really go for that stuff uh, too often because it's, again, it is a hard thing to do to to translate the game properly. I think we focus more on mechanics and, and like, actually thinking about, well, why... Why'd you make the game so hard to play? Or why did you why didn't you use this all the inputs available to you? A lot of times we'll see people who designate the jump button to the up button on the D-pad. And it's like, no, like Super Mario Brothers fixed this a long time ago. You have a dedicated jump button. It's one of your two buttons. Using the D-pad to move around and jump at the same time is is just ridiculous because the D-pad only moves in one direction anyway. Um, look, look, I think we rag on everything, and it and it does still it does still include writing and translation because anytime there's anything weird in a in a manual, like either me or Joe will jump on it, and we'll, we we've actually read like radio play versions <laughs> of the manual before in episodes. It's it's a lot of fun, and and, and I know that it is low hanging fruit, but. It, it well, that, that's different, though, right? That's like that's the context of the game that they're giving you. That goes back to what you were talking about, where sometimes, you know, in modern video games, right, everything has a story. I think that's what you were kind of saying, Celeste. Is they're they're visual they're visual novels, whether they like it or not, right? That's the, it's a sixty hour grand story nowadays. But back then, you just went into the you press start and you're in the game and you don't really understand like what's Mario's motivation or anything. <laughs> they, they have that in the manual. They give you the story and shocking. In Super Mario Brothers manual, they explain that all the toads have been turned into the blocks that you then crush, mm -hmm. which is just mm -hmm. unbelievable, like backlog. But it's like, who decided that, right? So that's the kind of stuff that we'll pick on. And we love to get uh, really into that stuff just because there's nobody to defend it anymore. I think there was an episode <laughs> of Wizards and Warriors where we like just completely ragged on the manual for all of these different things that they were saying. And then we just casually brought up like, man, imagine if you're the guy who wrote the manual for Wizards and Warriors and you're checking out our podcast and we're just being like the worst people in the world to you. It's like, uh, we got to we got to try to be better. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think a lot of that stuff, too, and we don't necessarily say this a lot, but a lot of it is um, it is interesting to see that, like, oh, this is because we're 
we're looking at it from this context of, of 2022, where it's like, I mean, going back to the jump button being being up on the D-pad, that's crazy to us right now because because it's become there's be, there's a language now that like developed yeah. over the years. But like at the time, it was just like the Wild West, like, you know, make your controls however you want to. And like now we've started to realize like, oh, this is the most efficient way. So it's like obvious to us from our perspective. So it's it's interesting like to see these things or like the difficulty of some games where it's like what makes the difficulty fun versus what makes the difficulty just tedious and annoying, which as you know, we all know NES is kind of notorious for having a lot of games that are NES hard. So oh, yeah, it's cool to see that stuff. I like the point about the manuals. Um, it, they're almost necessary companion pieces if you are interested in the story, like, or a player's guide. Um, like, for Ninja Gaiden 2, I'm not sure if you, if the Dark Sword of Chaos. We haven't gotten it. I don't think so. Okay. At the time <laughs> yeah. of this recording, um, my dad had the player's guide, but it also had comics in it that would explain what was going on with Ryu and Irene. And I had a richer understanding of the video game, but it also, I don't think I would have understood the game as much. I mean, I would have just taken it at face value, but it really is amazing how far we've yeah. come with the storytelling. I also think that uh, a good manual, even up to like the PS2, Xbox generation, like th it's a lost art. Like you don't, you don't get those anymore. We barely ever buy games in, in a physical box anymore mm -hmm. to have a manual. Um, but I remember, like I remember, Twisted Metal Black had this. Uh, it, it was. It was laid out to be a bunch of the characters' medical records from a psych ward, and this is why they're crazy, and this is their backstory, and uh, everything was sort of framed around uh, it being this document that had nothing to do with the video game, and th things like that, where it was almost a, a companion piece to the art itself, uh, but now we just get, this is the controller, and this, it, please don't put the cassette on anything hot and <laughs> so yeah yeah <laughs> but to that like to that point too that the we have come really far but like because we're you know we're, we're not doing manuals anymore and there's a lot you know a lot is much more apparent in the video game and i think that that's great but also i do feel like we've lost something something i love about the nes games and super nintendo games and stuff is like there's this requirement for a little bit of imagination that I think, I mean, Celeste, you were talking about like narrating the game as you were playing. I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of what I would be doing in my head as I'm playing. Mm -hmm. Like I'm kind of coming up with, I'm using the story that's in the manual and the context on the screen and kind of supplementing that with what I'm imagining is happening, which sounds, you know, it might sound like childish or whatever, but like, but really I think that that was Design, like a lot of these were designed in that way because they had to be, but but also I think that's what gives some of these older games a little more of a feeling of like a little more of a feeling like the same as you would get if you're like reading a book where there's like a little more there's a little more active participation mm -hmm. in in the in the storytelling than just saw a lot of modern video games that are more closer to watching a movie, which are both great in their own way, but I, I do sort of miss the magic of these some of these NES games, especially some of the ones we're getting into just now after four years of recording, we're finally getting to some that I'm like, Oh, I'm really starting to feel the stories here. But, um, but yeah, so like, I think that yeah. that's cool. 
it's funny because like you'll get so many bad games in a row because now the the floodgates have opened. It's uh, for us at least in the in the show. It's 1989. It's the end of 1989. So now all the third party developers are rushing in to release their games in time for the holiday season, mm-hmm. and uh, it's no longer <laughs> just like the 17 games that Nintendo gave you and you know be thankful that you have them. Now we have all different kinds of parties making them and you know, you start to recognize like, oh, it's this developer, like there's probably not gonna be a great game or whatever, but you give it a shot anyway. And we all give them an honest shot and they always have a chance of becoming an essential game. And then occasionally you'll get a game that you never even heard of, or at least it's not super popular. Like obviously when we got to The Legend of Zelda, there was no question in the three of our minds that it was gonna be on the essential list, right? Like that's one of those games that holds up for a reason. But we got uh, this game called The Guardian Legend and I think all three of us weren't expecting a game on the NES to be able to like do that. We have those moments where it's like, wait, I didn't know games like this could do that given the hardware and everything. And it's not like that game did anything, um, you know, graphically mind breaking or anything. It didn't have like mode seven graphics like the Super Nintendo does. It just combined three different genres into one complete video game and told a story and let you kind of explore nonlinear and we were like, whoa, where did this come from? So it is fun when you when you do the chronological exploration to see the progress and kind of sit through the stinkers to eventually get to like, you know, that one diamond. And uh, when you all were talking about the manuals and then the gameplay aspects and the storytelling, I was thinking about back in one of my creative writing classes in college, we learned whatever your story is, whether it's a short story, a novel, a poem, you have to give the reader a reason to care about what they're reading. I don't care. Are they, they don't have to go after a love interest. Is their goal to find a glass of water? Make that interesting. Why, and why should we care that they're looking for a glass of water? And it's possible. So it, I kind of, one of my favorite games that you've covered and I, I could not wait until you released it. It was um, Sesame street one, two, three, which I love. I still, I say love because I will forever love it. <laughs> it was a huge part of my childhood. Why should we care that Grover can help the little aliens? <laughs> you know, oh, and... Did we get into that? I have a... I, I think I we might have, yeah. yeah. Okay. Did you? Well, I, I think you did. Once we were did. done talking about the menu, we probably got into that. <laughs> yeah, we, we talked about the menu at length for a little bit, but that's because me and Sean can never agree on anything in the episode. In real life, we agree on everything, and we have the same exact taste, and we like all the same movies and everything. But in the episodes, we like to play a little. Uh, we, we put our per- personalities on a little bit. Uh, at least I do, Sean. I don't oh, know we're we're talking it. about the fact that every button did the same thing on the menu. Yeah, no matter what. <laughs> okay. Yes, exactly. Well, I think that that works for children, which is for the game. <laughs> and, and I so. just think that children can be challenged a little bit, but that's just, you know. And then I usually just kind of sit here and like wait for this to <laughs> die down and then uh... <laughs> Those are I, those are not. also my favorite episodes that's what, though. <laughs> when, right. when that's the like, magic of the show. Great? Yeah. You don't know what you're going to get when you get to those kinds of games. I think like it's really hard when we get to, we're eventually going to get to Super Mario Brothers 3, and I just feel like we should go right to the essential games list and just be done with it, because what can you say about a game that everybody talks about? You know, it's going to be really challenging for us, whereas with Sesame Street 1, 2, 3, or, you know, I'm just going to cherry pick some games here, Elevator Action, Load Runner, Spy Hunter, like, these games that get talked about less, that gives us kind of the freedom to say, like, oh, well, we're going to, 
we're going to really like go off the rails here and not talk about what we usually talk about and instead just find out what's the what's the unique thing in this game that we haven't seen so far on the other ones. So we're no longer talking about just like comparing this particular game of the week to the other 250 games that we played so far. It's about let's just talk about what makes this game really cool and why they felt like it was worth making, right? Because that's, at the end of the day, like, yeah, some of these are cash grabs, but for the most part, like, whether they came out to be good games or not, somebody put some love into them. And what, so far, at the time of this recording, would you say is your favorite game and why that you've covered? Uh. Dang, I think that's a real, yeah. Sean just left. He was like, I can't, I can't talk about this. I have to hurry up out of here. It's a tough question. Uh, I feel like I want to say either Castlevania or Ninja Gaiden, both of those games. um, I don't know. Castlevania specifically is a game that is very limited by its hardware. And even just the other platformers, if you want to consider it a platformer game instead of an action game, uh, there, there are games that do platforming so much better but it just has such a, it has such a mood. It has such a, a thematic like conceit that wraps up so nicely around it. It's not like the NES hardware. It's just unfair. And I know people are gonna fight me on that in like the later levels. But trust me, as someone who has been in the game, like there is a way to get through everything. And I, I've seen people who like are fantastic at that game. So there's a mixture of skill, theme, and just like the fun factor that for me that keeps that game and i think that's the same thing with ninja gaiden just except for the, the you know the controls are even better in ninja gaiden so that's kind of like for me castlevania is more like my theme game and ninja gaiden is more my overall game that out of the ones we played so far of course i have so many i have so many but uh you know one being uh faxanadu uh, i know mike likes to call it fazanadu not you know. I don't like to call that. it that. That's just what it is. That's just okay. the title. Back Xanadu, uh, is is uh, that that encapsulates kind of a lot of what I love about video games, where it's it, it feels like a story, even if the story itself isn't like a traditional like um, you know, it's not Uncharted, where we're like you know this is what's happening, but the story is you know you're an active participant, but it feels like you're on an adventure. It feels like you have this um this goal and it does it really well like that's the other thing it does that kind of action element well which i've seen other games that do do that kind of um that try to do that kind of like uh storytelling and maybe they do it well but the gameplay is just awful so it's kind of just like a perfect combination there um but i'm going to throw out another one just for recency bias i don't know if this is uh will hold up over time but i really loved archon which we recently played which was like a like a chess, I mean, it wasn't really like chess other than the way it looks, but it's kind of like a board game, move your pieces around the board, but then also get into like these action-y video game-like battles. So it's kind of like a nice combination of like, uh, of strategy and, and you know, Twitch reflexes. It's chess too. It's yeah, chess, yes, sequel. sequel to chess. <laughs> um, for me, I, I guess um, I have two different categories as well. Um, while up there with with it is Castlevania along with Mike, um, I'd say in terms of like just the most fun, uh, Blaster Master is up there. Uh, just the two different uh, modes of play and just how good it feels. Like it was the first NES game that I'm like, oh, this game feels really good just to move around in. Um, that was a ton of fun. But then there's the other 
category, which is just the, the games that I I have the most fun discovering, and they may not be all that great to play, but like Radon Bungling Bay is a a weird helicopter game where you're you're flying around while you're attacking an enemy that is slowly building up its forces. And I have a lot of love for uh, simulation games, even when they're not simulating anything all that interesting. And just watching that go on and eventually turn into SimCity um, and just knowing that that was the beginning. Like, those are my favorite games to have discovered. And like, oh, I, if I never was a part of this podcast, I would have never known that this existed. And it, just a little curio. Of, mm-hmm. of video game history, so that that's where I'd go with it. And all the games that we mentioned, uh, other than Raid on Bungling Bay, which Sean kind of qualified as well, all those games are on our essential games list, which currently sits at just an exclusive 26 games uh, out of 244-something episodes recorded. So it is an exclusive list. Uh, some of us would like it to be even more exclusive, but it is, you know, it is, it is a uh, conversation and something that evolves over time. So to have only 26 games out of 244, uh, I think that shows the level of um, not, not depth that's required, but more like the layers that we hold it to. Like we hold the essential games list to a very high standard. And I think that's kind of the hook of the show as well is, is it going to make it or not? Because I, I feel like sometimes there have been episodes, uh, we had DuckTales as an episode that a lot of people felt like that was a shoe in and we didn't put it on and people were kind of shocked, but it was like, it you know it has a chance another day maybe it'll maybe it'll get on the list but for right now it's not whereas Joe's game that he mentioned Archon that got on the essential games list people kind of were like whoa what is that game and they had to go check it out and kind of discover it or or rediscover it and I think that's the cool thing about playing along with us that's the thing we encourage all of our listeners to do is one way or another we know it's not uh, economically feasible but like one way or another, try to get your hands on some of these games. A lot of them are available even on the Switch as like arcade archives editions and stuff. It's interesting to to play them first and and kind of create your own thoughts and then listen to us and see like, oh, it's like I'm having a conversation with these guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I love the, the banter in the show because it does feel natural. It feels like friends just hanging out, but I, I always appreciate the insight. I'm always curious to hear what people have to say about games I enjoy, especially from that technical, how does it play lens? It's because it is very easy to have those rose colored or rose tinted glasses for things you enjoyed as a child. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's what we try to avoid, you know? <laughs> I, yeah. I think, uh, uh, the, the, like it's mostly with movies for me having that feeling of like oh wow this is definitely like my favorite when I was in high school mm-hmm. and then I'll go back and watch it and I'm like oh this is not hit anymore um, <laughs> and I think that it's a different it's a different part of the brain that is misremembering something like when it, when it comes to video games like oh that just this just felt more realistic back then like I just felt more invested whereas in in a movie, it might just be like, oh, that just seemed cooler back then, and now this is kind of dumb. <laughs> but uh, I I definitely get that a lot as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also, like, the, the, the games that... Like, I think that's part of the reason that the Essential Games list is so, like, kind of exclusive, is because we are, we are looking at it through that 
through that lens, like that's not the same lens of people who have the nostalgia. Like there are so many games that that we play that we're like, wow, that was really, really cool game. But then like if we're honest about it, we're like, well, would I realistically pick this up today when I have all the other options of 2022? And most of them are no, which is why like, uh, yeah, I think it's cool to have, you know, it, it it's it's different reviewing this than if I were if we were like reviewing like the PS2 lineup where it's like we know mm -hmm. half of those games and there probably are a lot of games that aren't that great that that we think are great because we grew up with them or the PS1 lineup or whatever. God, and it can be it can be so hard, especially like you were saying with watching movies from that time period. It's something that brought you joy, and you watch it years later, and you're like, oh. <laughs> Oh, but there's nothing to be embarrassed about. Um, I would love to go and revisit some things I enjoyed when I was younger. Like, okay, I, I tried to watch Mighty Morphin Power Rangers again a few years ago, and it's like, whoa, to is quote that, Sean, this isn't it. <laughs> I, I would have thought that that'd be that something like that would be more endearing because you were more a kid, I guess. I guess like when you when you're getting more into that adolescence and mm -hmm. it's not so much because oh this is fun it's like oh this is cool then yeah. that becomes more like oh that's a little bit of a, of a cringy <laughs> memory <laughs> but, but it, it is funny about the Power Rangers though because I because I used to like Power Rangers when I was a kid too and just my young child brain just had no perception of like the camp like it, it was not mm -hmm. campy or cheesy to me at all whereas like I right. feel like I feel like even when I got a little older, if I saw something like that that I loved, I would recognize that, like, oh, it's a little over the top. It's funny. It's kind of fun. I was just like, this is dead serious. Like, these guys need to save the world. And now I look at it like, wow, this is a really silly show. It, uh, it, it, I'm sorry, Mike. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, through Nickelodeon, like, I worked on a few of the uh, last seasons that were on Nickelodeon for Power Rangers. And it is one of those things that, like, you know, I was so excited, like, oh, I've been assigned to Power Rangers. Like, I, I get to, you know, work with Saban and figure out all this stuff. And when you see the final product, it's just, it's it makes sense. Like, it, it works so well. The formula never changed or anything, right? They they stuck to the same ideas that they had in the very first season. But it's just, now the Zords do this, and now they transform from this, and now they fight this. And, you know, for kids, like, that kind of formula there's a reason why it still works today uh but yes it it does not like it did not bring joy to me it brought joy to like the kid inside me to be like oh i get like kids are gonna love this but i i didn't <laughs> and I, th I think what we're discussing i think it is important to feed that kid inside of us still no matter how old you get still i'm not saying like oh every game from the past has to be wonderful but it, I think it goes back to having this passion project. It's really easy to let life snowball all over you and to let little minor things feel like the end of the world. But I think it's really important to still feed that kid inside of us, whether it's, let me go play Frisbee in the park. Let me have a podcast with my friends where I talk about a Nintendo Entertainment System games. And I, I really appreciate that y'all are doing that. I, I listen to podcasts while I get ready, while I put on my makeup, and that helps me focus. Or while I'm driving, but I really like it while I'm inside, and I I can just really focus instead of worrying about other drivers because other drivers bother me. <laughs> <laughs> the high stress situation that it's just distracting you. 
Yes, it's like I need to know what they think about track and field. Can you please get off my tail and pass me, please? But yeah, I I love it. Yeah, we try to make it like you were saying the banter and the conversation and stuff like that. It 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 would feel wrong for the three of us too. Like it would feel wrong if I told these guys like all right, here's what we're going to be talking about today. Like, you know, we we tried that, I think, for like a few episodes when we were used to record together. And I don't know, it was like, there would be some episodes where I would just be like, can we can we just start over? Like, can we just, start, can I just say everything all over again? And, you know, sometimes Joe and John will be like, all right, yeah, sure. Like, that wasn't working for me either. Or they'll be like, you want to like actually start over? Like, I can't fake this. I can't pretend like I didn't say <laughs> what I said, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we try to be, you know, just three friends talking about podcasts. And I, I, I it's good to hear, at least from you, Celeste, that you feel I'm like that's working. Games. Oh, absolutely. Just, um, oh, thank you. And, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's true. It's, it's fun and it's lighthearted. And I, I do find the community is very positive and I really enjoy your website, which is where you store the essential games list, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We now, We've like converted it to like a whole spreadsheet thing because I always get crazy about spreadsheets. So now there's the essential games list page and there's also a page just for it's our episodes tab on nostalgicast.com. And that's where it just takes you to a giant spreadsheet that tells you every episode, every season, every game that was covered, when it was originally released, when we published the episode, what genre it fits into, all these sort of things. Mike, and then it even you love the, it You love down. the spreadsheets. <laughs> they love the spreadsheets yeah. too. They'll, we'll get, they'll see it. They'll see it. It's a cool thing. It's a cool thing. Look, you could even search by genre how we're doing with the yes. NES games. So you could tell like, we hate arcade games or we love arcade games because it's a good mix. It's like a healthy balance. So Whereas, like, why did you get them started on the, on the, on the spreadsheet? <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I can't control people's love for Microsoft Excel right. or Google Sheets. Um, that is that is a passion that knows no bounds from some That's people, true. I believe. You're right. <laughs> so um, one of... One of the things I do want to ask before we wrap up is what would you say would be a challenge of being a content creator, especially about Nintendo Entertainment System games? I don't mind going first, uh, but I'd love everybody to answer. Uh, I I think the biggest challenge we had is just, you know, when you keep doing this every week in and week out, it could get stale. It could be something that, like, you're just hitting the same bases over and over again. And I think that's true for any podcast. Like, the podcast I love always either change the topics mm-hmm. fairly regularly or change the structure of the show. Because even though you are kind of using it as like a tune out device or whatever, it, if you rely on the same things over and over again, then it starts to feel like all the episodes are the same too. So I don't think that that would be exciting for us covering video games. If we, you know, instead of doing the essential games list, we said like, okay, here's the graphic section and let's all talk about graphics and like then we rate it out of five or something right and then all right let's move over to the sound section like that would that would just be too formulaic for me so Mm -hmm. the biggest challenge we have is just coming up with like all right well how's this episode going to be different yeah and i think to kind of to kind of uh bounce off that a little bit like just articulating what we how we feel about a game or at least for me personally i always have such strong opinions about things but then i'm like oh how do i actually put that into language where it comes across as like how i feel about it and it gets really difficult for me to to keep the episodes you know my opinion on the episode different in the sense where like one episode i'm reviewing the legend of zelda 
in the next episode I'm reviewing Sesame Street one through three, and I have to give them both a fair analysis and like and like explain like well what what is it about this game and like you know but they're so different or you know we recently played Shadowgate which I absolutely loved, but that's a point and click adventure game first one we've had, and it's very different to kind of think about like yeah of course it does a really good job with the story because it's all text. It just tell you know, everything is just written on the screen. So like, you got to kind of think about it differently. And like, you know, I'm trying to make sure that I'm not just saying the same things about the games that I like and, you know, finding what's unique and interesting about the specific games. And I feel like, uh, you know, that, that, that can be a little bit of a challenge because the, the NES library is so diverse. It, I, I, yeah, I'm going to echo that. I think a lot of it is endurance and, and trying to, stay fresh but the one the one constraint that we have that a lot of podcasts don't is a lot of podcasts get to choose what they talk about and we do not have that luxury (laughs) um so we have to play the games that are released in order uh or michael will be upset that we went off the rails without him um and i i keep thinking to myself like once we're in the 200s, we're going to start repeating ourselves. Or like once we're in the 300s of episodes, like, oh, we're going to start to, it's all going to start to blur together. And I don't think we've really gotten there. Like I have a very bad memory about episodes, but I know that we talked about something unique and interesting during that episode. Um, and that, that, that fear hasn't come to fruition. Um, so yeah, I think, I think we've done pretty well with it, uh, but there's still those those challenges. I feel like that helps us see that, like, as the NES library is evolving, like, we are kind of evolving, too. Like, I feel like, hmm. at least me personally, I feel like I know more about the NES than I did when I started and what to expect and what kind of games, you know, what to, what I'll get out of a game. So I feel like that maybe makes it a little different. I listen to some older episodes, and I'm like, man, what was I talking about? But that's because <laughs> I have so much more context now. Awesome. Well, how can listeners support you? Let's say they're they're just finding out about you. Where can they find you and show you some support? Yeah. It's a great question. We're on everywhere you listen to podcasts. I've, I've made my hardest attempt to make sure that, like, even if you listen on, like, Podbean or something, something I've never heard of, I'm like, cool, we'll be there. Like, let's, <laughs> let's get us on there. So I'm pretty sure we're on, like, everything. So just search for Nostalgia uh, with the N-E-S, obviously, not the N-O-S. Google will try to correct you. What does Google know? They, they know, you know what you're looking for, not Google. Also, don't uh, look otherwise, at the video game. Like, it's it's the podcast. Yeah, well, the, the video game that's no longer around, so we're not True. worried about that. Yeah, it was, like, some <laughs> MMO game called Nostalgia was around, like, back in, like, the early 2000s. And... Was it even a real thing? I thought it was just, like, a Kickstarter or something. Or like... No, it was it was an MMO, but, like, oh, it wasn't okay. real. It was, like, a web game kind of thing. Sorry, right? they're, they're it yeah. No, they hate this. They're like, oh, my God, they're saying we don't even exist. Joe doesn't even think we made a video game. We made a <laughs> <Sorry>. video game. <laughs> Sorry. But if you want to support us and not the MMO, uh, the way to, the best way to do that would be on Patreon.com slash Nostalgia. We have a Patreon where... Uh, for $1 a month, you basically get like a super thank you and like you're on the website and everything and it helps support the website because otherwise we really can't run it. But for $5 a month, we have uh, a, another podcast that we do called Nostalgia Bites. And those are the Famicom games. So to kind of spice it up a little, instead of going chronologically through the Famicom, we're just picking out the best Famicom games, but also the ones that you don't need to know any Japanese to play. So believe it or not, the Famicom library was either mostly like written in English because I guess they were like just trying to appeal to the widest audience, but also 
there are some games that, yeah, might have, like, some kanji or whatever, but it doesn't matter in the sense of, like, your experience of playing the game. So those we release on a monthly basis. They're not eligible for the essential games list or anything, but you get you get access to those episodes. You get access to the Discord. You get access to me directly. There's a direct line. I'll just, you know, give out my phone number. You can call me up, say, what's up? Say, you know, Are you, you need help with math? <laughs> no. Yeah, we oh, need okay. help I with like, Wow. <laughs> we, we do say things like that at, like, most, the end the of time. most episodes, but it, yeah. I was just curious, like, okay, um, I can't tell if he's joking or not. <laughs> right. No, we, we commit so hard to, tell, to not telling the truth that it's crazy sometimes, like, how far. We're, we are three guys who are just built on references to our past lives and you'll just see it like sometimes we'll make a joke that we don't even think that we've ever made before like on the show like oh nobody will get that joke but we have to make it because we know each other i love that and i was just wondering because somebody might be listening and think wait a minute i don't get his phone number i'm not interested <laughs> some, <laughs> some crazy person like that i'm calling about your car's extended warranty that's <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's still, all you can do. You'll still get direct access to Mike, though. Anytime <laughs> you, you write in that in that little box, and the that's him reading. And then it, yeah, yeah. if it's good, he'll read it to us. So <laughs> Mike's my right, yeah. Mike's my, uh, no. my caller ID. <laughs> so is there? Oh, that's um... true, actually. Sorry, that that is true, though. Sorry, Celeste, I didn't mean to cut you off. But oh, no. there is another way to get in contact with us, and that is the way you did, Celeste, with the uh, on the website. There is a contact option there, and you can write to us. You don't have to pay us to use that contact button. Uh, <laughs> nobody should feel like they have to pay us anything. Uh, the show is completely free, and most of the time it doesn't have ads, which is like a huge plus. I don't know about you guys, but lately the podcasts I've been listening to just throw the most random ads in front of the video, and I hate that because it's like at least target me. Like give me something <laughs> I would like, not something, not a product I would never use, like my car's extended warranty. Yeah. yeah, I need my bare VPN or whatever it's called. Uh, no, instead, you could just contact us directly on nostalgicast.com slash contact, and uh, you'll get directly me again. It's my direct line, but you won't know it until I respond to you. And you have a Twitter as well, right, for a Nostalgia? Yes. Yeah, twitter.com. Uh, it's at uh, Nostalgicast. Uh, you have to put the cast in there. We couldn't couldn't secure, you know, big budget for the regular Nostalgia, so we had to add the cast in. You know, we could fundraise like a, I think the guy had like a two and a half million dollar buyout. We could, could try to fundraise for that, but I think we'll just keep nostalgia cast. I mean, you could have a bake sale. There oh, bake go. sale sounds yeah. good. Video game theme. And, yeah, in the shape of the cartridges. Mm -hmm. <laughs> cookie cookie cartridges. So how how many um, North American release titles are there? Yeah, there's gonna be let's see, six hundred and seventy three. That sounds right. Let me see. I got the official number right here. 673. Uh, we played 244, so we're 36.26% of the way through. 26 <laughs> of those games have been essential. Him, yeah. 48 have been play-its, and 170 have been skip-its. So 70% of our time on this podcast has been playing really bad games. Uh, well, you just have to make cupcakes or cookies in the shape of 633? 30? 73. Seven, three, oh, each seven. one is unique. Okay. Yeah, yeah you each, have to make each unique. cupcake is. I, I like it. Oh, and one also, cupcake yeah, per game. I like yes. one game themed cupcake per per game. Mm -hmm. I like it. For your bake sale. Yeah. But how much would you charge for the cupcakes? About a thousand. It's <laughs> per yeah. I, we are in. I'm in Brooklyn, so I could just go down to Williamsburg. Artisanal cupcakes, uh, fifty bucks a pop. 
got it. Yeah, I'm thinking like, you know, those cupcakes, if they are 673 unique cupcakes, that's like NFTs right there, you know? Like, don't don't miss out on your chance <laughs> to own an official nostalgia <laughs> cupcake. Well, fellas, is, is there anything else you, you wanted to discuss or, or mention? I, I, I've had a blast. I was looking forward to this since we talked about it. So oh, amazing. We, really? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I, I would just throw out there that if you haven't been listening to any episodes of Nostalgia and you just found us out through this interview and you jumped all the way to the end, first off, go back, listen to the whole episode. It's a great episode. <laughs> but second, you should uh, really just, I think, consider that the show has evolved. And so if you try to jump in from 10 yard fight, it might sound really rough. Like I don't, I can't even stomach going back and listening to it. I'm, but you know, we can't re-remaster it or anything. So it is what it is. But if you wanted to jump in, you don't need to know what happened uh, the last 240 something episodes. Like just join us right where we are, meet us right where we are. And we promise every single Friday, you're gonna get a brand new episode for free. Yeah, I almost feel like that might be a, a better way to do it. Join us now, and then when you're waiting for the next episode, then go back and listen to other stuff. Then you hear, then you hear us being a little, a little more evolved than we were in the beginning. That's awesome. And is there? Do you have any social media that you'd like people to follow you at? Just meet us at NostalgiaCast. If you if you meet us on the Twitter, we'll we'll get you there. Uh, I do have a, a Twitter handle, but like I'm never gonna say anything as interesting as I would say on the NostalgiaCast uh, Twitter. Yeah, so go my there. social media is just like pictures from camping and stuff like. So that, yeah, it, it just do the Twitter. Um, also, thank you so much for having us on this podcast. Um, and the the one thing that I wanted to get uh, off my chest is just to. A nice hearty go bills. That's all. I <laughs> oh yeah. Are you having a good season. We're having a very good season, so That's I just wanted funny. to give that shout out. Yeah. Oh bills. Who's your big? Who's the big rival for the bills? Probably the Dolphins or the Patriots or the Jets. Any one of them at any point. So that they can all go go to hell. <laughs> at the top wow. of this, yeah. At the time of this recording, the Saints are not having a good season, so I'm oh. not allowed to talk about it. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> but you know, it's it's the fun of the game and the the people you're with and the memories, right? That's what oh, counts, absolutely. right? Just like video games. <laughs> Just like video games. Well, Mike, Joe, Sean, uh, thank you so much for taking time on this Wednesday evening. Um, I know you're an hour ahead of where I am, so I really appreciate it. I, I've enjoyed getting to speak with all of you and just laughing and having a good time. I hope it's been as fun for you as it has been for me. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, it, awesome. it has been. And Joe would have stayed with you until four in the morning. That's usually <laughs> when he goes to bed. So oh my God. no worries yeah. for him. Mike being my former roommate uh, is aware of my weird sleeping habits. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's hilarious. <laughs> well, everyone, thank you so much for listening. And you can find other 1v1 interviews at bossrush.net. And you can follow me, Celeste, on Twitter at FairyCrypt. So until next time, we'll talk to you all later. Bye, everybody.